Good to see you in the house, Lord, this evening. Good to have all the Hoyles back with us. Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to read just the first five verses. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Title of the message tonight, God's hand extended toward us. God's hand extended toward us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity and privilege you have to meet together tonight in this place, to be assembled and to sing praises to thee and to open thy precious word. And we pray, I pray, Father, that we allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts, to encourage us, challenge us, and bring conviction where conviction is needed, that you may be glorified in all that's done. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You probably heard this statement, as I have heard. You know, why should I, why should I uh, believe God? He's never done anything for me. Well, he's given us. You know, Paul told the the, the people at Athens that he's that he's given to all breath and life. You know, Matthew tells us he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And here in Psalm 40, the psalmist speaks of God's hand extended toward us. Now, I want you to notice several things from, from these first five verses. First of all, we see an eager look. In verse 1, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. The word waited, the words waited and patiently are the same Hebrew word. And it means to fix one's hope, to look eagerly for. Um, the idea is kind of like in Israel, when Israel sinned in the wilderness and the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, and Moses was told by the Lord to make a brass serpent and put it on a pole and, you know, and raise it up off the earth. And, and then whosoever would look to the serpent would be healed. So they were to fix one's hope on that look. And so he says here, I waited patiently, or I, I, I gave an eager, I have an eager, or uh, an, I, I, I have my hope fixed on one, who's looking toward one. Isaiah 45, 22, again that same word there, look. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the end of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And Jesus used that illustration, remember, in John chapter 3, when speaking, speaking Nicodemus, he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever, he didn't use the word look there, but he said, believeth 
And it's the same idea, to fix one's hope on, to eagerly look for or look to. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And of course, in Hebrews 9, Paul, writing to the Hebrews, says, For Christ also or was once offered to bear the sins of many. Unto them that look, again, fix one's hope on, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So the psalmist said, I waited patiently. In other words, I put my gaze or I fixed my hope or my look was on the Lord. You Even the Samaritan woman, let's think about this today. Even the Samaritan woman was expecting the Messiah to come. She said, when Messiah is coming. She didn't say, if he comes. She said, when he comes. He shall tell us all things. And so we need to have a look. We need to be looking to the Lord. If we're not looking, we won't find him. Same way a thief will not find a police officer. Uh, we need to be looking for the Lord. He is, ever, as, as Paul told those at, again in Athens, he is not very far from every one of us. So we see here an eagle looked. And then we notice, secondly, an, ex, uh, an extended hand in verse 1 again. The last half of that verse says, And he, that is speaking of the Lord, inclined unto me and heard my cry. And the word inclined means to extend or to stretch out. The idea is to stretch out toward one. To stretch out or extend oneself toward one. And so the Lord inclined or stretched himself out toward us who look for him. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, says, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and will redeem you with a stretched out arm, and with great judgments. Now, God said, I'm going to stretch my arm out to you and redeem you out of Egypt. You know, John 4, 24, Jesus told the Samaritan woman that the Father seeketh, you know, we're to worship him in spirit and in truth, but the Father seeketh such to work. In other words, he's, he's seeking out. He's reaching out to those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. He is seeking out. You know, it is God that seeks us out. In Isaiah 30, 15, says, Thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest ye shall be saved, and quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and you would not. Or, you would not. Again, some of these verses here talk about how God reached out to man, but he would not. Jeremiah 29, 19, Because they have not hearkened to my words, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them by my servants the prophets, rising up early and sending them, but you would not hear, saith the Lord. You know, the, the prophets of old, uh, the Lord through the prophets of, of old of Israel, continually reached out to, to them, but they would not. It's like they pushed him away. And this is what they did to Jesus. You know, Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees and to Jerusalem in, in Luke thirteen thirty four, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets, Stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thee, thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings. 
and you would not. So God is like, he, 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 the Lord compares his heavenly father like a, like a, uh, uh, a mother hen who would get, protect her brood and gather it under her to protect it and keep them from the predators. And he said, you would not. You would not. You know, some of the saddest verses in the Bible are found in Proverbs chapter 1. The book of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 1. In verse 20. It says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth his voice. So, so the picture here is, is wisdom personified as a voice crying out to people. And this is what it's crying out. How long, you simple ones, the word simple means ignorant, or not knowing. Will you love simplicity? Will you love your ignorance? And the scorners, you know, those are the mockers and the scoffers, the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, excuse me, and ye refuse. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. See, God stretched out his hand, and they didn't regard it. But again, in Proverbs chapter 9, a similar Proverbs chapter 9. <clears throat> Wisdom hath built her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Of course, seven speaks of perfection. Pillar speaks of support or foundation. She hath killed her beast. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. That speaks of supplying needs. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the high places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live, and go on the way of understanding. And so we see here again wisdom crying out to the simple. Don't forsake the foolish and live. You know, there's another another passage in the Bible that's that's uh, I guess a sad would be the the last chapter of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter thirty six. And it says this in Second Chronicles 36, 15 and 16. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, misused his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, till there was no remedy. You know, a common phrase that's given at the conclusion of each test to the seven churches and revelations is this. He that hath an ear, let him hear. He that hath an ear. In other words, open your ears to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm stretching out my arm to you. I'm pleading with you. I'm giving you instruction. You need to heed it. I'm extending myself to you. The picture is like a, like a child that a father patiently waits that needs help. But the father patiently waits till they 
realize they need help and ask for help. He was there all the time, but they were just too stubborn or too proud to ask. And so we see here, first of all, he said there needs to be an eager look, secondly, an extended hand, thirdly, and then we'll be established for living. And notice in verse 2, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my going. When we look to the Lord, and He extends our hands to, to us, He will establish us in our way, in our path, or in our way of living. Now, of course, we talks about here the enslavement of a pit, brought up from destruction. You know, Romans 8.13 says, If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Paul, or Peter said in 2 Peter 2.1, There were false prophets also among the people, even as there were false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. You know, here's what we do. Or here's where we are without Christ. We're bringing upon ourselves destruction. In Acts chapter 18, when Paul went into Corinth, and he reasoned with the Jews, and the Jews turned away from him, and Paul said this about them, they opposed themselves. They opposed themselves. It's a, it's a, this, this is a picture of a horrible pit of the misery and despair of life without hope. You know, Mary Clay speaks, speaks of, you know, sticky. Did you ever, we had a, I remember at Petersburg in particular, I don't remember as much about the farm, actually was four years old, younger then, but we had, a, we had a, a field, the farm in Petersburg, went around the hill. It was a, it was a nice, nice, uh, it wasn't steep or anything, you know, as far as farming, but the ground was, you know, the, the yellow Play-Doh that you play with? Or the, the maybe you, maybe it should be the sticky. Did you ever uh, use clay in school that was real sticky in art class or something? Anyway, I think they should have dug all that out of that field there and then taken it to the schools to use. I mean, it was it was this when you plow it, it would come up yellow. And it would lay out like one solid piece the whole way around the hill. It would never break if it was and it had any dampness in it at all. And then, when the sun hit it, you know what it did? It got hard as a rock. But, you know, when that stuff was wet, it was just sticky. It just, you, you stick your foot, bare foot down in it, and it's just like, yeah, if you, you pull it out, you know, it's like sucking it out of a, out of a suction cup. I think that's a, kind of the picture here. Uh, this horrible pit speaks of death, the, the, of, of, of the misery, of despair of life without hope and anticipation of death and hell. You know, it kind of reminds me of quicksand that just slowly sucks you in. You know, and the devil uses sin's tentacles with, uh, with, you know, like the arms of an octopus. You know, I thought octopuses had tentacles, but I was corrected today by Google. Google says it doesn't have tentacles, it has suction cups. You know, some, some, some sea life have tentacles just on the ends, but, but an octopus has suction cups all the way up its arms, the whole way up. And if it gets those things on you, you're not going to be able to get away. It just suck you in. 
That's the way sin is. Proverbs 5.22 says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Holden. So this is a horrible pit. But God is able to bring us out of this horrible pit and establish our goings. He's able to lift us up out of the miry pit and set my feet upon a rock uh, and establish our goings, it says here. The word establish means to, li- to lift up, to maintain our goings or our steps or our living or the way we live. You know, he is able to give us new life, to bring us out of this horrible pit and give us a new exalted life, if you will, a new quality of life. Verse 3 says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. This new song speaks of something new, something fresh, something not previously experienced, a new quality of life. The meanness, the selfishness, the cruelty, the anger, the evils of the flesh fade away to new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about this process at great length when he wrote to the church at Ephesus and he gave them instruction concerning this in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 17, he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil, let him that stole steal no more. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That which is good to the use of edifying, but minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And be you follower, therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love and so on. And it goes on. You know, in chapter 5 and 6 talks about a spirit-filled life or a spirit-controlled life. This is the new life. This is the new song. This is what that new life looks like. And he says that many will see it and hear and trust in the Lord. You know, so if, there's, if, if God has lifted us up out of this miry clay, there ought to be new life. And, of course, that new life is brought about as we meditate and consider and, and obey the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to control and change our life. But this new life 
or this new song, as it's described here, will also encourage those who witness it. Again, if you notice in verse 3, it says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. It will encourage those who witness it. Many shall see it, it says. Do those around you see it? You know, being in the assembly doesn't really prove it. We can all look good at church. You know, TV preachers always look great. They put their little makeup on, you know, and they're in front of the microphone. And they got everything professionally planned. And if it, and if, of course, the program <clears throat> doesn't go right when they record it the first time, they record it again. They record it, you know, just like Hollywood does. You don't see the real person. And we don't see the real you many times at church. What we see when we see the real you is everyday life at home, at work. That's what proves it. You know, one can appear spiritual in church and a selfish monster at home. Yeah, but God is not fooled. You know, it was David's conduct as a husband and a father that caused many to blaspheme, not his conduct as a king. But this new song should be a song that's seen. You know, Paul was, Paul's conduct, his change in conduct was seen. He said, I was before a persecutor and a blasphemer. Of course, now he preached that word or that Christ whom he had blasphemed before. So, so it, it'll encourage those who witness it once you notice the fourth thing here, we are exalted by the Lord. Verse 4 says, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the pride, nor such as turn aside to lies. You know, even Balaam said, and Balaam was a prophet of hire, but even Balaam said, He whom thou blessed is blessed. And the psalmist said here, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. If we make the Lord our trust, we are blessed because God will bless us. You know, blessed is the man that delights in the law of the Lord, as, as law doth he meditate day and night, that makes the Lord his trust. The word trust here means confidence or sure and foam, firm hope. Uh, so we need to make the Lord our trust. Again, Hebrews eleven six: without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, to trust in the Lord means you will not be deferred or sidetracked or led away by man. If you notice in in that verse there, he says, Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. You know, so often you, you, you meet people... And you talk to them, and because of what some man did, or is doing, it's like they hate God. But he said, no, he respecteth not, and respecteth not the proud. The word respecteth here means 
turn away towards. That's the idea of turning away towards. You know, if you show respect, you're turning towards someone. You're showing favor towards someone. That's really what giving respect is. It's deferring to someone. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 17, he says, But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, and shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them. And even in Isaiah 53, 6, we have turned everyone to our own ways. What are we doing? We're respecting our own ways. See, we can be turned away by men or because of men. But the reality is, it's really the same thing. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we can be turned away by giving reverence to men or man worship. And sooner or later, we're going to be disappointed. If we worship men or give too much praise to men, sooner or later, we're going to be disappointed in that man. Put too much confidence in a man. And it's going to disappoint you. Uh, we're not to put our trust in princes, nor the son of man in whom is no hope. Psalm 146, verse 3. So we can, give, we can be turned away by giving reverence to man and being disappointed. But many are turned aside because of the sin and failure of men, which really is the same thing. That is, they're allowing men to, that is allowing men to determine their faithfulness to God uh, and again, that's showing respect to men. You know, when I was in Maine, I don't know how many times I heard this, this phrase. I'll never go to church again. It was all because of what a band did. I heard that so often, I started thinking about that. Now, how do I answer that? So this is what I start saying. So you're allowing that man to determine your relationship with God for the rest of your life. That was reality. What that is, is making that man the God of your life. Because now he is determining or he is controlling your relationship with the Lord for the rest of your life. Most people didn't like that. What's the truth? You know, when we, when, we, when we show respect to a man, we're turning away from God, and that man or that woman or whoever it is becomes our God becomes the controlling influence in our life. You know, many are turned aside because of the sin and failure of a man. And really that man then has you in bondage and his father is the devil. Think about this. Even Cain allowed Abel are used able to be a stumbling block. Now, wasn't justifiable. He'll never justify that before God, but that's the excuse he used. Abel was accepted. He was not. And he was jealous of Abel. The husbands excuse themselves by their wives. Wives excuse themselves by their husbands. You know who else did that? Adam and Eve. It isn't anything new. You know, it's human nature, isn't it? No. 
The Lord says, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud. It doesn't matter who it is. The Lord has preeminence. He respecteth not the proud. Nor does he says, nor does he turn aside to lies. Such as turn aside to lies. You know, some some turn aside to lies. I you know, a few things here I've listed as lies, riches. Psalm forty nine verses six and seven says They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Riches are of no value in the day of judgment. None. They won't help us. Again, some put their confidence in men, mentioned that, but not to trust in princes, nor the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. <clears throat> Hezekiah said to the children of Israel in Second Chronicles 32, 7 and 8, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude is with him. For there be more with us than with him. For with him is the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. You see, some put themselves in the trust of their own flesh. But again, Romans 8.13 says, If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There's no help in the flesh. I met a man on visitation last night. He's an agnostic. Now, he believed in a heaven and a hell. At least he said he did. I said, so how do you believe one gets to heaven? He said, well, by being morally good to your neighbors and, you know, and everyone and so on and so forth. And, and I said, okay, what is the basis for that? Well, um, you know, just what is right and wrong, your, what is more, uh, uh, morally acceptable. But I said, do you have an authority that teaches you that? He said, no, it's kind of whatever we decide. So I said, so then you're the, your own authority. He said, well, yeah, I guess so. See, that's the reason our society is in such chaos. Because man becomes his own authority, authority, and that's very subjective. I mean, it's obvious in our society we don't agree with what's right and wrong. And who's to say if we if we're our if we're our own judge, who's right and who's wrong? You know, that's a lie. To put trust in man or in self is a lie. But the Lord says, the psalmist said here, that blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. You know, it's, it's wonderful to have a, an authority that does not change for anyone, that is the same for everyone. You know, it's it's the same for 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 uh, you know, low class, high class, rich, poor, 
uh, you know, prophet, priest, king, whoever it is, it's the same for. The standard is the same. You know, there are some religions that have this idea that if you're in the ministry, then you're above the law. Well, as Catholic priests think they are. But not according to the Bible. So, we're exalted by the Lord. I want you to notice a fourth, or another thing, a fifth thing here in verse 5. It says, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Yet we have living manifestations or demonstrations of God's goodness and his works toward us. Uh, of course, we have many examples in the scripture, uh, examples of, of people that we know who have been born again and have lives radically changed. You know, all these are living manifestations or demonstrations of God's works towards us. Uh, we have the work of redemption by the sacrifice of a son. You know, we have his, given his purpose to advance his kingdom, to be participants in that kingdom. We, we, are, we are to be living participants in advancing the kingdom of God. We are his witnesses. We have, as we learned Sunday morning, the power and presence of the Spirit to teach us and to strengthen us for the ministry. And then we have the promise and assurance of our coming resurrection and to be glorified with him. And it says here that these works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to usward, they're to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order. Now the, that, that phrase there, reckoned up in order, means to place together to compare. So we're to place, to place together to compare, and there is nothing to be compared to it. That's the idea. You know, so like, maybe, okay, let's say you go looking for a job, and you have some job offers. What do you usually do if you have job offers? Well, you sit down and you compare them one with the other. You compare the pay package, the benefits, and all that. You compare it. And that's, that's what he's doing here. He said, you know, we're to put it to place it all together and compare, and then there's and he said there's there's it can't be reckoned up. There's nothing to be compared to this. Paul said in Romans eight eighteen, for I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared, which with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Go to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
here's that word again, to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places. So this power is to us worse. And he's talking there about the resurrection, the promise of his resurrection. So he wants us to know, understand, <coughs> the glory that is to be revealed in us because we are participants in his kingdom. Then in chapter 3 again, chapter 3 again, verse uh, 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded love, there's the one who puts your trust in the Lord, uh, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, can't be compared, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask to think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. See, God's many wonderful works, which are to usward, cannot be reckoned up. God gives us, he describes a peace. We can have a peace that passeth all understanding that will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, Paul compared his life, his past to his present at one point. In Philippians chapter 3. And this is what he said. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh. I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. In Hebrew of Hebrew. As touching the law a Pharisee. Concerning zeal persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me. Those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So all the things he said that I bitterly hung on to, and I was being convicted about, I've given them up. I've counted them but lost. I've counted that being a Pharisee and respected in Jerusalem as a who's who among the who's who. He said, it's just a dung heap. It doesn't even compare to what I have in Christ. Because now he says, I know I have peace with God. Through my Lord Jesus Christ. I have a peace that passes all understanding. That keeps my heart and mind. Through Christ Jesus. I have an inheritance. Unreserved. Uh, 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 un, uh, reserved and undefiled. In heaven for me. Who I'm kept by the power of God. See. Nothing in this life he says compares. Being a Pharisee doesn't even compare. Oh I was respected. I was well known. I had fame. And I was on my way to have some fortune. 
but it doesn't compare. You see, we have a, we have a God that has his hand extended out toward us. We need to reach out and take it. We need to wait patiently. We need to fix our hope on him and continually trust him. Fix our gaze, our confidence, and our hope in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive from it. Father, we thank you for the precious promises that you've given us in your word. That by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruptions in the world through lust. So Father, I pray that you encourage your people tonight. Help us just to be willing to, to trust you day by day. To have our confidence fixed firmly on you and not turn aside. Show respect to men or turn aside the lies. Trust in the, in the flesh that is weak and destructive. We'll just thank you again for your blessings. Pray for your help in the business meeting. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.